Logan, you good for another take? Yeah, just looking for my coffee. Anyone seen it? It's a Starbucks white cup. No, I'm sure it'll probably turn up somewhere. You pro- probably shouldn't be drinking coffee while recording. It's actually really bad for your vocal cords. Cool, Not that let's do this. Audio engineer. Keel Hall Podcast. I'm your host, Captain Logan, and we've got a lot of Sea of Thieves news to cover today, so tie yourselves to the mast and hold fast. Ahoy there, pirates. I hope you had yourselves a good week and a good weekend. I know I did. This week, I dive a little deeper into Tall Tales as we get a weekly update from Rare for the first time since the update, covering a lot of the bug fixes that are troubling Sea of Thieves right now. All that and more on this week's episode of Keel Hall Podcast. First up on today's docket, I did want to add a couple quick things about some of the things that can help you in the Sea of Thieves update that just came out. If you guys are sailing around in adventure mode and you happen to come across another ship, whether they be occupied or whether you be in a fight with them, if you happen to get a chance to go onto their ship and they do have a powder keg in their crow's nest, you can blow that up and actually knock down their masts. I was on a galleon this weekend and we were doing some sea of science and found out that if you shoot the barrels at the top of a crow's nest, even if it's just one barrel, a galleon's masts can all get knocked down from that one barrel. There is a bit of a warning that comes involved with this. If you are sailing through a storm with a gunpowder barrel in your crow's nest and lightning strikes it, it will knock down your mast. So that can make it much more difficult if you happen to be evading a ship or if you happen to be going into a storm to try and do some sailing. I would be very cautious with gunpowder barrels in the mast now with the new ship update changes also with the harpoons i found this out as well i didn't realize it but if you go into the key bindings there's actually a lock feature for the harpoon and they don't explain this to you at all it's there but they don't really tell you how it works and it wasn't until the other day that i actually realized how it actually works so If you shoot a harpoon into something and say you want to lock it, I've been expecting it to work as a toggle. You click it, it locks the the length in place, and you can go about your business, and it'll, it'll actually hold that length for the harpoon, which hasn't actually been working, and it boggled me for a long time trying to understand why what I was doing wrong. Until the other day, I was actually using the harpoon, and I held down the R button, and it actually locked the length. Now, I don't know why you have to hold it down. It doesn't seem to make sense to me why you can't pull something like a lever on the harpoon to just click it in place and and hold it so that you don't actually have it uh, letting out any more line, and it'll actually stop your ship. That being said... Knowing now that I actually have to hold down the R button, and I forgive me for not knowing the corresponding key for the controller, uh, but if you go into the key bindings in the settings, you can look up the lock feature for the harpoon and whatever the key bind is for that, on, or whatever the button is for that on the controller, just hold it down and you'll be able to lock that length in place. So say you're sailing up to a dock and you don't want to drop anchor, but you've already raised up your sails. You still got a bit of a coast going in. 
you start to get to the point where you're passing the dock and you don't want it to go further, use that harpoon to shoot behind you, lock the length of it, and the ship will actually start to slow down and hold as an anchor would actually work. It's kind of funny that we actually have a line that shoots down into the ground and you can hold it in place to lock your position, kind of like an anchor, but without actually having an anchor that drops. Which leads me to the question, why we don't have anchors? I know this was something in the past that was hard to work on, but the harpoons add more function and uh, uh, utility to them more than just an anchor, but the functionality of it shooting into the ground and holding it in place with the lock feature is kind of like a, a, a temporary anchor in that sense. So I don't know. I hope this helps you out. I hope you uh, you take these into your game and are able to use these tidbits. Uh, I know last week a lot of people seemed to really enjoy the top 10 things to know going into Sea of Thieves update. And if I come across any more, I'll make sure to jot them down and share them with you in the future. Next up on today's docket, let's dive into the developer update for May 8th. So May 8th, we got a patch and a lot of the patches notes kind of centered around some of the stuff that I expected we would see right after a big update, which were mostly just a lot of visual issues that they'd run into stuff that they knew going into the update was going to be a problem, but had to work on getting a patch uh, fix for it so that they could release that and put it out there. There are still a lot of issues that they are aware of that they're going to be working on. So if there are some that you've run into and you have a minute, you're always welcome to go over to the forums and report the bug. I'm sure by now, though, most of them probably have been identified and a fix is coming for them. It's nice to see that they're working on making sure that a lot of these are getting addressed and that a lot of the ones that they're aware of are being noted so that people don't necessarily have to worry about going in and setting up a ticket for those. That is being said i would say that if you've been affected by some that are big uh in by big i mean some of the ones that they talk about are having a chest uh that we will you know like if you lose something in one of the collector's chests and you you know it it pertains to say like a tall tales or just items in general stuff that i talked about last week those are ones that you we want them to make sure that they're aware of so that gets fixed up because with the collector's chests you want to be able to use those and not have to worry about things like uh, them disappearing from inside the chest and not like being stolen or or being misplaced but literally them despawning from the actual chest that they're in and to, to Rare's credit, they're doing a great job on making sure that this launch was as smooth as possible. They have had some server issues, but overall, I think, like, I would agree. Joe said that it's been a pretty smooth release, and I, I can't say that I've had too many major issues that have been so breaking that it just it, it makes me want to put down uh, the game for a bit and pick up something else. I've, I've been enthralled with the game since the update, and uh, it's it's great to see that they're they're pushing out this update. So going more into the actual dev update, there are some kind of cool things that we learned in this update that don't necessarily pertain to the game itself. And what I mean is we found out that 
the comments made back at E3 last year uh, during the, the last podcast that they did. They, they've only done a couple podcasts since E3. And the one that they did during E3 talked about uh, there being a fourth team that they were just starting to spin up to work on content. And lo and behold, that content was the arena. And we found out that the team working behind it is actually another studio called Flix. So it's it's crazy to, to think that uh, the arena was actually built by an entirely different studio with the, the guidance and support of Rare. Uh, how do you guys feel about that? I mean, we're so used to Rare being the ones working on this and the competitive mode for this has been completely you know, mostly or uh, not completely and but mostly worked on by a completely different studio. And because of that, I think this is giving Rare the opportunity to really focus in on the, the adventure content and let them kind of build out that more since they don't have to worry too much about how they're going to be working on both modes with, uh, with with the arena and the adventure at the same time. They've got another studio that can focus on that. And I'm pretty excited to see what happens over the next year because uh, Tall Tales is, is really a, a, a mainstay part of adventure at this point. And I feel like this is going to how it, this is going to be how they roll out content as a result. And having another studio work on the other stuff for Arena where they can kind of flush out different modes, adding different ships, giving you the ability to sail on the type of stuff that you want or expanding the map uh, pool or adding things like uh, powder kegs and stuff. I think things like that on another team will help alleviate some of the stress that the rare team is working with when dealing with uh, two different modes to try and create content for. And I'm interested to see what happens. Some of the other stuff that Rare talks about, uh, or Joe talks about in the update is revolving around a creator kind of jam. You know, they're gonna be spending some time coming together and uh, just tossing out ideas, proposing stuff, doing creative things and seeing where it leads that they haven't done in a while, apparently. I, I, I've i never, I'm not quite sure like how this works. You know, uh, Google has like a, a company policy where it's, I think it's 80, 80%, 20%, 80% of the stuff that you do for Google is stuff that Google wants you to do. 20% of the time you spend there is working on your own projects. And I have a feeling something something like that is kind of what they're talking about here, where they're they're giving the team freedom to kind of create whatever they want, whether it's Sea of Thieves related or not. And I think they're going to be they, they said they're going to be releasing whatever they think would work. Uh, in, and I imagine some stuff that they they think is cool will that doesn't necessarily need to pertain to see if these will come out in social media so we can kind of take a look and appreciate what they've been kind of tinkering around with. And I'm sure whatever good ideas they have for. Uh, for, for Sea of Thieves will probably be tucked away for later content updates. And if anything, the thing I can recommend to anyone listening is if you have an idea or something really cool, now might be a really good time to toss it out there and let, let Rare know what you think. Uh, if there's something that's that you think would be really creative to add to Sea of Thieves in particular, um, since I think most of this will probably be focused around that. 
just to toss out a couple ideas that I know some of the people in uh, the in the community have talked about as well. Something that I was thinking about the other day is uh, being able to get bait uh, for for coin. Um, in in particular, I was thinking the other day, and a couple of the people mentioned they thought about the idea too was uh, being able to dig up new bait. So say that you actually wanted to um, go fishing, but you didn't have bait from the barrels that you got when you logged in. If you go to an island that has, uh, say, like a grassy area, you can actually use your shovel to dig in that area and dig up uh, or, or worms. Or say you go to like an area that has like a little pond uh, near the, 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 the sand or the area around that pond you can actually dig up some leeches or say if you kill uh, like some animals and you pick up the meat from them if you dig in the area where they died uh, you know you could pick up some some grubs from like them eating the the leftover carcass things like that I think would be great ways to implement a little more um, kind of uh, you know you wouldn't think to do that but if you say you wanted to get bait that would be kind of a cool way to do it uh, there's a lot of ideas out there as far as what could be coming down the line as well too especially with arena being able to see um, ships of different sizes go in there and actually uh, do battle as far as you know being able to fight sloops versus sloops or brigs versus brigs tons of stuff that we've been wanting that I think now would be a good time to maybe bring up to some of the devs on social media and say like hey I know that you are working on some creative stuff if you didn't have an idea right away that you thought would that would be good for that you know feel free to start talking about the sea of the damned and how we can go to it to uh to to be able to explore the the souls that have passed and and what stories they have or possibly you know finding uh the ancient civilizations where the mermaids live and uh be able to to check that area out down south or you know bring back up the uh the old ideas about uh, frozen lands and uh, and uh, being able to sail into icy waters where uh, your ship starts to get stuck and you have to use a shovel to kind of break up the ice around the ship or you your deck gets uh, slippery if you've if you've dumped water on the top and your pirate slides around you know stuff like that you know get get creative and start sharing some of your ideas and see if rare picks up on any of them <laughs> So to further dive into the update with Joe Neat this last week, it was interesting to hear that they still are kind of working out the cadence of content, uh, how stuff should be released as a games as a service. Now, bear in mind, this is the first time that Rare has really dove into the world of games as a service. And to try and find that balance where you can release content without stuff getting too stale and make sure that people still feel engaged when playing is really important as a games as a service especially with some games where they ask you to pay for the content as it comes out things like fortnite things like apex legends and others that either charge a monthly fee or ask for a price up front for like a battle pass to get content as a result of that even things like the um oh i just thought i just forget what they actually call those things i bought it for the 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 dlc for uh for for zelda and splatoon 
I can't think what it's called, but you know what I'm talking about. I don't have to explain it to you where you're, you're paying for content and then they'll release it over time as they, they finish it up after release. We haven't had that problem with Sea of Thieves over this last year. All the content that's available has all been given for free. And I, I don't know when that is going to change, if it ever changes, uh, but I will know that in the future, there's going to be the the or no, there's going to be the team is working on trying to find out how they can best release content on a regular basis and make sure that people that are getting into the studio have time to get caught up on what the, what's been going on as well as making sure that the stuff that they're doing falls in line with their overall arc for where they want to take Sea of Thieves. And as a result, they are taking this time to kind of work on, because we just got this big update, we're working on this for the next couple months at least, they said that E3 is probably going to be kind of low-key for them. You know, they said that they'll they'll probably leak out a couple things here and there. Expect kind of low, or I, I would have low expectations going to E3. Originally, I've been thinking, you know, what could they possibly talk about at E3, and uh, with the with the update being so close to it, and this is kind of confirmation that of them saying, you know, there's there's going to be a little bit of teasing here and there, but for the most part it's not going to be that big. Uh, they're probably not going to have a big trailer to show off. They're probably going to be moving into that, that phase as they kind of solidify what some of the next like build rat updates are going to be and getting those set up to, to be released soon. I wouldn't expect a content update until probably July, to be honest, but I, I, I'm not too worried because as it stands, I've got hunters call and sea dogs to level up. I've got, tons of commendations to work up to in tall tales to try and knock those out so i can get that curse uh well i make that sound like it's a good thing it's not a good thing to get cursed but it looks really cool and i want to see what it looks like on my pirate so i'm, I'm kind of curious uh folks what what do you think about this do you think that rare should take the time that they need to really drill down their release schedule so they have a, a constant flow of content coming out a year ago they were ambitious and said we were going to be getting a build rat update every week and I told them a long time ago that they should start recycling their old uh, build rat updates so that you can have constant build rat updates going on. And with the change coming to the update uh, or to an update coming soon, they're going to be releasing uh, letters of recommendation for the new reputations. So if you've been hoarding your doubloons and you don't feel like leveling up Hunter's Call or the Sea Dogs, you should be able to buy levels with your doubloons to bump you up uh, to a point where where you can knock that out or or you can get up to a stage where you're happy and you got the cosmetics that you want. However you want to play that, but I still feel like there's value in bringing those old build rat updates uh, back. I really had a good time with the with the um, gunpowder skeletons, a little bit that I got to do of it. Now, things like the, the beacons and the thrones, not a huge thing. But if it gives players that have just picked up the game as a result of the anniversary update and give them a chance to see this content that has passed then that would bring a little more longevity to the up uh, to the content uh flow that rare is seeking to find a balance with 
and it's it doesn't seem like it would be too hard to implement these since the the assets are already in the game and the event is already set up they would just have to re-release it and let people know that these are going to be cycled over time until more dropped in or the or, or replacing old ones with new ones stuff like that it's it's something that i'm interested to see how they how they move forward on this because uh, as of right now we don't know what they're going to be working on there's a few hints though there's a couple things in some of the journals that i'm going to talk about because i really want to see this happen next up on today's docket I want to talk a little a bit about the journals that are in the Tall Tales. So if you've been diving into Tall Tales and you haven't found one of these, I'm going to let you know right now that in this in the Tall Tales, each one, there are five journals that you have to find. And all of them revolve around the, the story that's going on with that Tall Tale. You can only find these when you're actually doing the Tall Tale. But... When you start them, they should be on the first island that you're sent to. So, for example, if you do the Shroud Breaker, the journal that you find is going to be on N13, the where the Magpie's Wreck is. It's going to be on those islands uh, that are unmarked at the moment. Same thing with some of the other ones. They should be on the first island. And each journal should give you a hint to where you have to go next to get the next journal. So once you do that, you're going to be following a breadcrumb trail to each journal. And I went and did this for a few of them because I'm obviously I'm working on the, the accommodations for this so that I can kind of knock out these tall tale accommodations to be able to get the, the, the curse that I mentioned earlier. And when I was going through them, I came across chapter four and this was the, the, the toy one with the crayon book. Uh, with Tasha up at uh, Ancient Spire Outpost. And I thought it was interesting because it talks a lot about uh, Briggsy and it dives into Briggsy's kind of story as far as why she seek or why she was seeking the uh, the the Shroudbreaker. And as you start out, it kind of talks about her feeling kind of boring and wanting to get up and get out and go do something. And it was kind of cool to see that she um, she she kind of ran into some people that uh, picked a fight with her and then she dealt with them. But this was all during a time. Uh, it's hard to tell like when the time frame is because part of it sounds like it was during a time when she wasn't cursed. And uh, another part of it sounds like it was definitely after she was cursed. But. The thing that I thought was really cool about this revolved around the, the journal that's over in Lone Cove. And it talks specifically about her starting up a diary again. And that one of the things that she overheard while at a tavern was a girl wearing merfolk earrings talking about something called a shroud breaker. And there's two theories that I have on this. One of the theories revolves around Tasha being that girl because of the, the setting that the book takes place in and how Tasha was a girl when she was hanging out with Briggsy, or at least how she was uh, hearing stories about Briggsy and her tales uh, and then coming up with the, the books of her adventures with Briggsy. And that leads me to the thought of the end of the tale, which if, if you've done it, you know 
that she talks about wanting Tasha talks about wanting to go out and saving up enough money to buy a sloop to be able to go out into the Sea of Thieves to have her own adventures and how she might actually see us out there. And the reason I find that interesting is because if that's true and she is the the girl that Briggsy's talking about, she has Merfolk earrings still. She might be the 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 tie-in to being able to talk with merfolk for future content updates because i've been wanting from merfolk for a while i think merfolk are the next step for us to get to and we'll probably do the merfolk before we come across flameheart uh as kind of a a, a story narrative for the game and if if she is the person that is uh, able to speak with people, she has those merfolk earrings, which is a reference to the uh, the book, Athena's Fortune, by the way. You should go read that if you haven't. Um, unfortunately, there's not an audible book uh, version of it or an audiobook version of it. There really needs to be. And uh, if, if there was, I'm sure it'd be a lot easier to listen to um, if you don't have time to sit down and read it. But uh, with that, it would be nice to see Tasha uh, taking agency with her life and instead of just being a barkeep she decides to change her vocation become a pirate and go out and sail and, and discover her own world and her own adventures and start her story and as such be an ambassador to the merfolk and finding out where they are where they're staying what's going on with them and whatever the story arc is for that the other theory i have is a little simpler and revolves around mercia who is Ramses, the pirate lord's first mate from the magpie wing, the one who actually authored the first tall tales that we read through. Or actually, she doesn't actually re, uh, do, do the journal as far as I know, Ramsey does, but uh, her journals in chapter one are interesting enough uh, to, to talk about because they talk about how the name the shroud breaker isn't actually the name of the 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 thing that we get originally that was actually something that ramses coined uh when they found it and they were actually talking about how they were wondering and and this was kind of crazy uh it, it says that ramsey has been thinking and that usually means that uh she's the one that's due for a headache and he wanted to to find a, a way that they could probably sail safely through the devil shroud and there had to be a way but knowing the devil shroud and how it ebbs and flows it kind of brings up the question of how did uh the ancient civilizations do it and it's it's at that point that mercia who has these merfolk earrings starts on a quest to go searching for something that would explain how the ancient civilizations managed to protect their shores of gold as one of the the drunken pirates in a tavern tells ramses about this uh fabled island that has a sand that is gold and is littered with gems and stuff so that's kind of how they get started on this whole shroud breaker thing and it isn't until they get to you get to Thieves Haven when you find the the book that Mercia writes in uh, after checking her notes and actually says that yes there is in fact a, a relic that uh, protects you from the shroud and that the ancient civilizations actually use this to protect their homes and places of worship from the shroud's effect when it would move in and it's really interesting to find out like the history behind the shroud breaker because we always wonder or maybe it's just me but i have always wondered how the ancient civilizations protected themselves from the from the shroud you know we we sailed through it and we navigated it but we didn't actually come in contact with it they actually had a way to actually protect themselves from it 
And the vault that you find the Shroud Breaker in on the first tall tale is actually a place where it is is meant to actually regain its power when it has uh, when there's they're no longer using it to protect an island from the shroud's effects, and that's where I get the idea that Briggsy is talking more about Mercia and the Shroudbreaker since uh, Ramses and her were probably in a tavern talking about it at the same time that Briggsy had maybe come by and was uh, regaling people with her stories and then ended up uh, actually talking about the, or, or, or overhearing the talk about the Shroudbreaker from Ramsey and Mercia and decided that she wanted to go find the Shores of Gold as well to be the first there. So there's, uh, to, to kind of round this out, there's a ton of story that if you're looking for it and you want to find out more, especially if you've read the book or you've made your, made your way through the tall tales and you're trying to understand why people are doing the things that they're doing, these journals are great to supplement the content that came in with it. Much like the Devil's, uh, the, the devil's Roar when we were learning more about uh, Captain Morrow and her journey and time spent in the Forsaken Shores and what happened to her. It's no longer kind of jokey, gimmicky stuff about her uh, marrying a, a, a mermaid or uh, having a battle with a giant crab. It's actual lore that dives in and explains a lot more about Ramses and his crew with the magpie's wing, uh, Grey Morrow and his crew of the Morning Star, and Briggsy trying to get around to actually become like the most infamous pirate ever and finding uh eternal um you know finding finding herself cursed for eternity as this uh skeleton lord and how she was she was so much better at a time and she can't believe what's happened since then i really i really love this if you can't tell and i dive into it because it's 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 something that i don't think a lot of people really seek out but to, to be able to hear about the game in, in, in an audio form when you're not actually playing it, sometimes learning more about what's going on can help with your appreciation for the amount of work that Rare put into just crafting this world. Because our story is our own story, and we, we take a lot of pride in our victories and, and our, our losses and, and how we could have done better. But hearing uh, about the people, or, the, or at least the, the, the characters that came before us, is something that still really intrigues me as as a world builder it's some of the reasons why i loved games like uh legend of zelda breath of the wild where you could go out you could do whatever you wanted you were free to play the game however you wanted there was an overarching narrative and the more people you talked to the more you kind of realized how things were while you were asleep and what happened in the past and uncovering memories that were lost and this game emulates that so well in such a completely different way that i'm really enjoying the two parallels right now as I'm playing both uh, one at work when I'm on break and then one when I'm at home and I can actually sit down and sail around and I'm looking forward to diving into more of these journals and I'm wondering out there if any of you have come across any of these and learned any interesting tidbits uh, especially around some of the ones that I haven't talked about that you want to share because I find this stuff so interesting and maybe it's just me but I, I really love it. Next up on today's docket, I got an email and I wanted to make this actually into a discussion more than just my opinion. So I wanted to reach out to everyone here to hear your thoughts on this. Uh, I, you, if you've listened to the podcast for a while, you kind of already know my feelings 
on this, but I wanted to read this email out and get everyone's opinion as well. So this comes from, actually it doesn't say who it comes from. I'm not gonna give their real name. You're just gonna have to live with that. But they write in and say, ahoy Captain Logan. Let me start by saying my kiddos and I are huge fans of the podcast. I enjoy that this is a family-friendly podcast that we can all listen to it in the car together. I feel that Sea of Thieves is the quintessential online family game, and what you have done to supplement that should be absolutely commended. Keep up the great work. Now, we need your help settling a debate about the Merchant Alliance. I'm sure all players can somewhat agree that Merchants is broken, and has been for a while. My kiddos tend to feel that merchants should just be put down and taken out of its misery, eliminated completely. I disagree, and feel like merchants just need some excitement. The most tedious part about merchants is gathering the actual goods and then still having to deliver the items. But what if instead you were given the cargo items from the actual merchant and then have to sail them across the map to multiple drop-off locations. I feel like the focus should be made more about the difficulty of actually delivering of the items instead of having to burn precious game time searching or picking up items from another random location the current cargo runs are missing that sense of urgency and excitement. Maybe doing a pig run where you are initially given 10 pigs that you have to keep fed and alive while sailing across the map to a far location. Dealing with all the PvE and PvP aspects would make the actual cargo run more exciting. How about a treasure run? where you have to make a delivery to one of the gold hoarders. You're given multiple pieces of small treasure from the merchant. The, the kind of, uh, uh, let's see, let me read this again here. The kind that can fit in the new collector's chests that you can have, uh, that you have to deliver across the map. But the game highlights you on the map for other players, identifying you on a treasure run similar to Reaper's Voyages. What do you think will help the Merchant Alliance? Are my kids right? Should it be scrapped? Again, thanks for everything. Eager to hear your response. Well, thank you for writing in for one and uh, putting out the idea for, for so many changes that could be put to the Merchant Alliance. I have, um, I personally kind of like where the Merchant's uh, Alliance is right now. Um, they're not the the flashy ones. They're, they're not really the ones that are trying to get noticed out there. They're actually the wheelers and dealers of Sea of Thieves. They're the ones that are intended to... Um, I don't know that they're trying to take over Sea of Thieves. That seems kind of ambitious for the Merchant Alliance right now. But I will say that they are definitely the ones that you should keep an eye on in the future. It seems interesting to me that they constantly gather up all these different supplies and export them somewhere for a hefty amount of gold. And while it may not seem to be something that's really exciting, the addition to tall tales while working on merchants might help out with that uh venturing to different islands and having to gather animals and take care of them while you're trying to do a tall tales might help incentivize the excitement that it takes to take care of some of these animals whilst killing some of these skeleton lords maybe that's just me 
I've always been a big fan of going out and getting, uh, well, actually I take that back to say that I've always been a fan is, is disingenuous. Cause I haven't always liked the, the merchant Alliance. Uh, I have always found that they are the most valuable of the trade companies when it comes to actual gold. Um, their cargo has been drastically improved, so it's a lot easier. And I do tend to find that a lot of the cargo runs that I do start out with someone on the place where I get the actual cargos uh, dropped off. So say if I say if I log into the game and I get a cargo run and I go and I stock up my ship and I drop the cargo run, a lot of the time the cargo that I get tends to come from someone on the outpost there. Or if it's not, I generally have to go maybe one or two islands over to grab the cargo and then deliver it to one or two islands away. Uh, the distance has definitely been reduced. And while I wasn't a huge fan of cargo when it first came out because of how hard it was to actually get things there intact, I think asking people to travel across the map would increase the game time to the point where the reward would have to be really high. And this is coming from a, a perspective of someone who's A10 and has done so many Reap or uh, Athena's runs with the cargo since last October. The the cargo runs are so uh, tedious to the point where most of the time, most pirates, when they do an Athena's run, they're more willing to do the skeletons to get those knocked out and to dig up the chests than to actually pick up the cargo and take it somewhere. Um, I don't know what they can do to make that more interesting because it's it's really not an interesting thing. You're 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 just kind of taking stuff from one place to another, but you don't get the kind of flair and and uh, uh, kind of intrigue of you know working out a riddle or finding an X marks a spot or battling skeletons from the undead. It's it is kind of just hunting from island to island to find the right kind of animals or to take the uh, the cargo and get it there in as uh, precious condition as possible. It's it's hard to say if it's something that I would want to take out of the game entirely. I, I don't think I would want to have it taken out of the game entirely because it it still holds some value uh, even when you take into consideration say like the hunter's call uh, and being able to kill the animals for um, for for actual so here's an interesting thing uh, if if you want to make it a little more exciting for merchants pair merchants with hunter's call because uh, if you go out hunting animals and say you get the animals that you want but not the one. Uh, but the other ones are just there, and you don't necessarily need them. You can actually kill the animals and take the meat and use that to turn in for the hunter's call as well, too. And say you're hunting down a couple uh, animals in particular that aren't on an island that are there. Uh, you can kill the animals that are there, take the meat, stow it on the boat, uh, send yourself to the ferry, come back, and the island's uh, animals will have reset at which point there's a higher chance that you might find the color combination that you need to fulfill the, the merchants, uh, merchant alliance. And the benefit is, is that you have the animals that you need and you got a little extra meat for the hunter's call and uh, you kind of make money on both fronts at, at that point. Um, that way you don't feel like you're just trying to hunt and find the right animal. If it's not the right animal, kill it, take the meat, 
cook it, send, turn it into the hunter's call because they'll give you the gold for it as well. Other than that, it's uh, it's hard to say. I, I definitely don't think I would ever want to have 10 pigs that I have to try and keep alive, uh, especially if, if there was another thing where I had treasure chests that I had to deliver to a location and it marked me on the map. And I've, I've never been a big fan of the Reaper's Mark flag. I, I think it's something that invites uh, griefing to 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 the seas every time i see someone that's got uh, a reaper's markup i understand they want a pvp and i'm fine with just pvping but i tend to find those people coming back and bothering me after uh i've either sunk them or they've sunk me it's it's never just like uh they happen to be there they've taken what i want and they're they're uh, getting the the gains of it they usually have nothing to to offer as far as um like treasures that they've had so there's no risk to them and i i tend to not like the reaper's mark as a result because it it doesn't it doesn't breed the natural anxiety that uh or or excitement that comes from dealing with pvp in the world naturally like finding a ship and not knowing whether or not it's going to attack you or not uh is is more interesting to me i was sailing today with a friend and it was interesting to me because we were going to plunder outpost there was a ship there they didn't have any flag up and i shot myself over while my crewmate uh, made a wide arc around the the dock to make sure that you know i could go see what was going on i sailed over there parlayed with them and they offered us alliance uh, that same crew went off and started hunting down animals while we went to go turn in a bunch of megalodon and kraken meat that we had just recently got. And uh, a reaper's mark sailed up to us. And I knew their intention because they were they were dead beelining it for our ship uh, while we were parked at Stephen Spoils. We pulled away from the actual uh, sea post, started unloading shots. We got a really good arc on them and a good angle, and I was able to. We were able to circle around them and actually knock uh, knock them down. As a result of the prior instance where I went and parlayed with the crew that didn't have a Reaper's markup and alliance with them, they saw what was going on, sailed over, and actually helped us sink the Reaper ship. And we never saw the Reaper ship again, but it was nice to know like the potential to have uh, an alliance or a battle with the first ship was such that sometimes it just it just depended on uh, what happened once I shot myself over. And I like that uncertainty. I, I prefer to find that uncertainty because sometimes, depending on how you act, uh, you can either make enemies or make friends. Uh, through that because you don't see their intentions right away so you come at it at a different perspective so putting yourself on a map with a bunch of treasure chests and saying this person has a bunch of treasure go hunt them down is going to kind of add uh, i mean yes it will add a sense of um kind of uncertainty and whatnot and that's what the mercenary uh, voyage did well but now that we have arena i feel like we have a place for that and while it still can exist in sea of thieves i think the rewards have to be much better than something like a treasure run where uh, you can go and do any other treasure uh, any, any other gold hoarder quest and get treasure without having to worry about um, worry about being seen on the map, especially in in a game or in a mode where some people are trying to work on other stuff and don't necessarily want that attention, but prefer to prefer to play that uh, specific trade company. 
I don't know. Maybe maybe I just kind of like having peaceful peaceful times on the seas uh, as opposed to to constantly having to defend my ship and worry about supplies uh, as everyone's trying to murder me. Um, sometimes I like to just be that passive one and decide when I want to engage. Regardless, though, I really appreciate the email. It was uh, something that I had been thinking a lot about um, over the week after I got it. I, I was really kind of debating on how I felt about that because I the it's not... <laughs> The Merchant Alliance is definitely not the the most glorious trade company, but I think that their value still holds a lot uh, in my mind for Sea of Thieves. I wouldn't want to see it go away, and I could definitely see something changing in the future as far as... Um, I mean, we do have the messages in a bottle. So now that I think about it, we have the messages in a bottle where you are given uh, a crate and you do have to fill up that crate and deliver it somewhere. And those can be hard to fill and take somewhere um, as well. So I don't know. They, they've got the most variety as far as trade company goes, uh, but they're the most boring. And that kind of it, it's it's strange that people feel like the Merchant Alliance has the uh, the the most boring uh, trade company considering they have the the you know you can either do cargo you can do the crates if you find the messages in a bottle you can deliver powder kegs you can hunt down animals and deliver them you can do forts and get the crates and bring the bone dust back to back to the uh the 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 merchants there it's i feel like they've got the biggest amount of versatility uh to why people would be bored with them so I don't know. I might recommend going to do some forts in that case. Uh, start grinding out some of the skeleton forts while everyone's working on tall tales and start leveling up merchant that way. All right, pirates, that's going to do it for this episode. Not a whole lot of news and probably won't be a whole lot of news going into the next couple weeks. So after this week, I'm going to be diving into kind of how to work out some of the different tall tales in the later uh, chapters. It's It's been a couple weeks now. I hope everyone's gotten a chance to do this. I really want to talk about my experience at the end of the, the Sea of Thieves, and I want to go back and play those as well and be able to talk about them. So make sure if you if you don't want to get spoiled, try to get those done over the next uh, week so that I, can, uh, I don't feel bad about talking about them without having to tag them as spoilers, because I probably won't. I'm probably going to deep dive into that stuff next episode, because... I want to talk about it, and I'm hoping to hopefully get uh, Falcor in on the the next episode uh, to to be able to talk with that a bit. Um, just kind of working out schedules and stuff, and um, hopefully I'll get a chance to actually have one of the rare devs come on and talk with me as well. Uh, kind of working on that as well, and I'm still working on merchandise. Uh, I've put on hold anything dealing with other podcasts for now, just because uh, time is is getting a little tighter and uh, I know coming in the next month or so I'm not going to have as much time to to be able to focus on that I want to make sure that I get some stream time in as well too I think that covers everything I can't think of anything else offhand I've gotten some ratings on iTunes I always appreciate you taking the time to rate and review the podcast uh, if you share it with other people I definitely appreciate that as well and I did want to say thank you to everyone that's uh, written in to um, give me stories, give me questions. I love that. I love being able to have good discussions of stuff that you're thinking of, things that you want to talk about as well, too. 
And as a result, um, I think that's going to do it. I think that's the end of the episode. So if you want to get a hold of me the way others have in the past, there's plenty of ways to do that. The easiest way to do that is sending me an email or reaching out to me on Twitter. You can always hit me up at Twitter at C-A-P-T underscore L-O-G-U-N. You can always email me at C-A-P-T-L-O-G-U-N at gmail.com. If you want to get a hold of me on Xbox, there's an easy way to do that. You can always send me a message to Captain Logan, C-A-P-T-A-I-N-L-O-G-U-N, no spaces there. And uh, feel free to drop by the the, the Twitch streams when I have those goings. Uh, go over there, follow, set up the notifications so that way you know when I go. I don't have a set schedule, so it, when it's up, it's up. And that's that's usually when about as much notice as I'll have for, for those going on. Join the Discord, too. We've got a great Discord going. A lot of people are working on Tall Tales and Arena right now. There's plenty of people that need crewmates to be able to uh, have a good experience in both uh, aspects of the game now so join there there's a show notes uh, always have the links to that and as links to how to actually listen to the show if you're listening to this uh, on some medium that you may want to listen to in another way uh, YouTube Spotify all that good stuff so pirates thank you I love you and I look forward to sailing with you on the Sea of Thieves